sitting on the occurrences of, of in Christ in the New Testament books. So we see in the book of 1 Corinthians, this concept of in Christ does occur uh, quite a bit, actually. Um, you'll see it, and I'm just going to list off the places here real quick, and then we're going to come back and focus on different places, all right? In 1-2, it's stated that we are saints in Christ. In verse 4, grace is given in Christ. Verse 5, we're made rich in Christ. In verse 30, we're made the righteousness, sanctification, and redemption, or we have it in Christ, who's been made wisdom unto us. In 3-1, it says that the Christian is in Christ, even though they're carnal. You do not lose your standing in Christ because of carnality. In 4-10, it says... Ye are wise, reflective thinkers in Christ. We'll get to this statement. I believe this is a sarcastic statement, but um, we'll get there. Um, in verse 15 through 17, Paul talks about his ways, which are in Christ and which are taught, which he taught in all churches. In 720, he talks about a calling in Christ. In 9-1, there's a work in the Lord. He says the Corinthians were his work in the Lord. Um in chapter 12, uh, you would really focus on verse 18, where it says that um, we're one. There's a oneness in Christ, in the body. We're going to have to look at some other verses to put that together. But uh, there's a hope in Christ in 1519. and 1531, there's a boast. In verse 58, it declares that our labor in the Lord is not empty. And a big part of the chapter 16 there's many occurrences of in christ in the lord and it really points to the relationship of a, with other believers because we share a unique position together all right now coming back to the beginning of first corinthians this book and its teaching on positional truth becomes extremely important important because it really highlights the fact that positional truth is practical. It's practical. Why is it hugely important? It's because the Corinthians were not living it. They were not living it. They're declared to be carnal in chapter three. You see, Paul writes many issues that they should have known about, but they weren't acting like they knew about it. You can see it in the statements where he says, don't you know, don't you know, don't you know, don't you know? Because he knows that they know, but they're not acting like they know it. And so the positional truth is brought out to point at, out that here's your standing and here's your practice. Here's your standing and here's your practice. And you're not lining up. The lines don't match everybody heard that before okay something's not you're saying this but you're acting like this it's not lining up okay and so the book of corinthians becomes very important in that respect not only does it show how important positional truth is but it shows that it's important to your practice and it, it so in what in that respect it shows the christian who's not living it hey we have this position. We have it no matter what. We should live in light of it. 
On the other hand, it tells somebody that's dealing with somebody that's carnal, hey, this is how you deal with somebody that's carnal. You keep telling them about who they are in Christ, and they can analyze themselves and say, hey, I'm not measuring up to who I am in Christ. I can do better. I've been graciously given this wonderful position, and I'm not seeing that position in my life, in my practice. Because they're not happy. People that are living carnal, they're not happy. For a moment, they're happy, but carrying out of their their sin nature desires is the, the satisfaction is only for a mo moment, as scripture says. Okay. We have a much better master in the Lord than we do in our sin nature. The master that's called the sin nature is a horrible taskmaster. They are never satisfied, and you can never meet its expectations. So in one, we read 1 Corinthians 1, Paul called an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of the Lord, the will of God, and Sosthenes, our brother, unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus. Now, the very meaning of sanctified here with our, the biblical understanding of sanctification, this is really important. Because if you take the popular definition of sanctification here, you wouldn't understand the book of Corinthians. It wouldn't make sense. Okay. Because they often, uh, how do they do it? Um, I'm, I'm wondering if I can even replicate in words how it's generally taught. Um, justification is just as if you haven't sinned. Sanctification is, uh, you know, you're trying to be good. Okay. I'm not putting it in their words, but that's essentially what they're, what they claim is sanctification. And I would be here saying, no, that is not sanctification. Sanctification is not trying to be good. And if they know a little bit, they might define it this way. They might say it's being set apart from sin. Now, that sounds good, but it's really not the meaning of sanctification. You realize when you say that, you're actually making evil eternal? Is evil eternal? That's an Eastern mysticism concept, is it not? Is that from the Bible, the idea that evil is eternal? It's not. It's false. Who is sanctified and has always been sanctified and it's part of his character it's part of who he is god god is holy that's what sanctified it's from our root word holy and they're really the same meaning they're same word holy saint sanctified these are all the same word god is holy as to his nature all three persons of the godhead are holy god is eternal all aspects of his character are eternal because he is eternal so god is holy so what does that mean it means that being set apart from evil is not the definition of this word holy means to be set apart 
unto who you are. God is separate unto who he is. All three persons of the Godhead are, are distinct individuals. They're not confused ever in who they are. The Father is the Father, the Son is the Son, and the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit. And they each simultaneously share that one nature that where their love and truth and righteous and holy and infinite, eternal, their life. Okay, all these different aspects. God is holy, and he didn't require evil to be holy. Everybody get that? Now, holiness comes over to us in a very interesting way, because we're not God. We're to be set apart unto who God has made us to be. Okay. Now, the idea of being set apart from evil is a resultant, secondary effect of being holy. Okay. If I'm set apart unto God, unto who he's made me to be, a, saint of, a, a son of God in Christ and a child of God down here, if I'm set apart unto that, then the resultant effect is that I won't be sinning, right? But do we are we supposed to focus on the results, or are we supposed to focus on the fact? Okay. Now, we want the results, but to understand it, let's focus on the fact. Now, as a Christian, why would that make sense? If we recalibrate our meaning, our understanding of being a saint, it's really emphasizing identity and who we are. Does the Christian have confusion of identity? Yeah, we do. Okay. Hard to think, you know, think of who you are in Christ first, and then who you are in, on this earth second. Okay. There's nothing wrong with who you are on this earth. In fact, we do have a lot of pride in who we are. And then I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. There's a lot of good in a good sense. Good, good. I'm proud of who I am. You know, Stanton's been uh, learning Spanish, and I would say he's learned it. He's saying he's still learning. Um, he's proud of that. He, he's enjoying it. He's uh, excited about it. He's, you know, if he, he tells me, Dad, Dad, I feel bad today. I haven't had a chance to work on my Spanish. And I said, well, you should probably focus on this, this, and this. And if you have time, work on the Spanish. Because these three things ahead of that are more important right now. It's pressing right now. You need to do these three things, not focus on Spanish. Well, he ended up getting to talk with a vendor that was could speak both languages, and he talked for around five minutes, and he was ecstatic. He's Dad, I got to speak Spanish today, and you know, it challenged me, and blah, 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 blah. And uh, he was happy after that. Five minutes was all it took, and then he could focus on the things he needed to focus on, right? But he's been talking with his fiancée, Caroline, and he's Caroline. I don't want you to talk to English in me. 
to me anymore. I need to work on my Spanish. No more English, only Spanish. Now she is kind of the opposite because she's here in America with, with her family, that some of her family only speaks Spanish. And she's considering herself, I'm an American and I, I want to focus on English so I can be, you know, assimilate. And Stan's, you're losing your culture. <laughs> you're losing your culture. He tells me, Stan tells me the other day, when you have grandkids, dad, they're not even going to speak English until they're five. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, well, I'll undermine that. Because <laughs> I speak English. I think he's trying to get me to learn Spanish, which I told him, I think that's great. I want to learn Spanish, but I know the work that it takes. I know the work that it takes. So I'm not going to say I'm going to learn it and then disappoint you. Okay. Anyway, with all that said, maybe I'll learn it. I don't know. But my point is that those are things related to our earthly identity, where we come from. Okay, so when I'm saying these things, I'm not saying who you who you are on this earth doesn't matter. Who you, I'm not saying that. But there needs to be a proper understanding and a proper priority put on it. Once you're in Christ, certain things go away. And, and, and you can relate this in genders too. In Christ, there is no male or female. Pretty important down here though, right? I'm still going in the men's bathroom. Okay? So it still matters. And we better pay attention to it. That's sim a similarity to having pride in who we are and where we came from on this earth. Okay. But we need to have a proper perspective on it. As a Christian, there is a confusion of identity in another way. And that is in respect to the fact that we have two natures. We have a sin nature and we have a new nature from God because God lives inside of us and imparts his nature as our heavenly father. And we get confused. You know, oh, this is what I want. This is what I want. This is what I want. And that's the sin nature. And over here, the new nature says, but I want to do good. And I, I want to do this. And I want to serve saints. And I want to do And the two get us all messed up, right? Who am I? The Corinthians weren't holy in their practice. They were confused, but yet positionally, they had a very clear identity. They were saints. God says, you are marked out for me. You are marked out as my sons. You're marked out as my priests. You're marked out in the beloved. That's who you are to me. Right? God knows who you are. Sometimes we don't know who we are. The Corinthians needed to be reminded. They'd forgotten. Paul says, you're saints. That's an interesting way to start with people, isn't it? You see somebody that's messing around, doing something they shouldn't be doing, and you go and you say, hey, brother, so-and-so, you're a saint. 
Meanwhile, they got their hand in the cookie jar, right? <laughs> that can almost be the most insulting thing. Does that cause somebody to get angry? can cause all kinds of it's it's unknown it's unknown it's a uh it's like the the tinder box right it's it's a, it's a dry tinder box we don't know what what fire is going to start okay paul calls them saints under the church of god verse two which is at corinth to them that are sanctified in christ jesus called saints with all them in every place that call upon the name of jesus christ our lord both theirs and ours. I think he puts that in there is kind of a little tongue in cheek because the Corinthians weren't calling on the name of the Lord presently. It might have been the past, but they weren't at the presently. No. I'm going to put you together with those that call on the name of the Lord. And the Corinthians are going, man, I haven't done that in a while. <laughs> I haven't even talked to God. Call upon him for help. Well, we've been doing things all ourselves in our own strength, you know, kind of in, again, it's, it's highlighting the difference between practice and standing. Grace is unto you in peace from God, our father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. When you got people that are out of bounds, what do they think? They think they're isolated. They think they're isolated. They think they're in the penalty box over here and God's done working with you because you're a sinner. You're not worthy. You failed. But what does Paul remind these believers who are out of bounds or are not living up to who they are in Christ? Grace is to you and peace. See that? It's very different than how we as humans think. We're taught very clearly if you're you're in a timeout time right now, you don't have any act, you're by yourself, you're isolated. But that's that's the reality of when you're carnal, you're isolating yourself. You're isolating yourself. As a Christian, you always what does it take? What does it take to get back on the horse? What, is it, what does it take to start living out who you are in Christ? Not a whole lot. If you sinned, confess it. Boom, done. If you didn't sin, get your mind where it should be. Done. Most likely there's sin. Confess it. That's all you need to do. God, I agree with you. Across the line. God's grace is to you and peace. If there's anything that's not peace, it's in our minds. Scripture talks about that. We're enemies of a God. We constitute ourselves enemies of God by our wicked works. Okay. We do that. But it didn't say God becomes our enemy. That's dealt with at the cross of Christ. In fact, God has so dealt with unrighteousness in this universe that he allows evil, judged spirit beings to enter into the throne room of God. You realize that? 
They can go talk to God. Spirit beings that have fallen, that have been judged. The verdict just isn't carried out. They're allowed into the throne room and they talk to God. How much more us? How much more us who are in Christ and in God? God's grace and peace is to us. Verse 4. I think. I think God's grace is not just good, it's well. Well is better than good. You know that? Well is better than good. God's grace is well. God's grace is good. I thank God always on your behalf. Man. <laughs> How often do we do that? Somebody's out of line and we, we go, oh, I thank God for you. Or do we say, these, if I, these little stinkers down here didn't always, if they would stop making a mess, right? I'd have so much free time if people would, right? How much of your day is spent cleaning up the messes of other people? Right? Every New Testament book is written to address some wrongdoing in the churches. And Paul says, I thank God always on your behalf. For the grace of God, which is given you in Christ Jesus. Now, I think logically we can say why. We can say, well, Paul was the recipient of that same grace. And he says, hey, when I'm reminded that you're still saved in Christ because of the grace of God, even when you're acting like this, hey, I'm still saved. Right now I'm acting right, but there's been times I've acted wrong. So I, because... This shows God's grace. Hey, that grace, same grace is to me when I'm out of line. Okay. You're not kicked out of that wonderful position because you're failing right now. But man, if it was by works, you'd be kicked out because you ain't doing them right now. <laughs> okay. Verse 5, that in all things you are enriched in him. Now that word enriched is the same word that's used of riches in Christ. Um, it's a passive. You were enriched in him. I would, I would liken this to we have all spiritual blessings in Christ. Okay. Or to Colossians where it talks about these riches. Or Ephesians 1 in his prayer concerning the Ephesians where he talks about what are these riches coming from the glory. Okay. Right now, the Corinthians are like spiritual paupers because of their activity. But in Christ, they are rich. That's what Paul's saying here. In Christ, you're rich, but you're living like a poor man. You're living like a poor man. 
spiritual riches. If you jump to the end of the chapter, we read, we referred to this last week because we were in Romans and it, it referenced um, a one of these aspects, but as you come down here in verse 30, it says, but out from him are you in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us wisdom. And you put a semicolon there, even righteousness, sanctification, and redemption, that according it is written, he that boasts, let him boast in the Lord. This is a beautiful statement. And is there anybody that's uh, bold enough to say, I am righteous. I, myself, on my part, am righteous. Anybody? Anybody that's able to say, I, on my part, am holy. I, of my own self, on my part, am holy. I, on my part, I am redeemed. I'm completely free. Was interesting you, you even think of people that um you know you're tired of being uh the low man on the totem pole and you're like oh gosh i always have to do what everybody else says you know so and so tells me what to do so and so tells me what to do i go over here they tell me what to do and then i go home and my wife tells me what to do and then my kids tell me do this do that and do the other thing i'm always doing what everybody tells me to do when do i get to do what i want to do there's a thing about uh, people that are in authority. Sometimes you think, oh, I wish I was the king of this place. I was the emperor of this place. They surely can do whatever they want to do. Remember David? He had all the, did, was he free to do whatever he wanted to do? No. When you're at the top, you have a lot of responsibilities. You're bound by the needs of your subjects. When you come here to this verse, this is the wisdom of God to us. Not one of us can say we are in our in of ourselves any of these things. Not one of us. This is God's knowledge applied to us in Christ. It's given to us graciously in Christ because we have a standing in Christ. And if you realize, it's super, super smart. Because God doesn't have to, well, he does in time individually place each one of us into Christ. That position was established all in one moment. All in one moment. It's, it's seen as complete, but yet being added unto all at the same time. Now, this, this is because God is God and we're men. It's hard to conceptualize because we're human beings. We think like human beings. But God is able to do this. He sees it as already complete, even though there's some that haven't even been placed into it yet. Okay? This is part of the fact that God is outside of time. Right? And our position is outside of time. He's able to do it all at once. See all believers that are going to be in the New Testament and see us as complete. That's pretty awesome. But none of it is based on works. None of it is based on 
privilege or human privilege, human merit, any of those things. It's completely on the privilege and the merit of Christ and his worthiness. So none of us can boast. If we boast, we're to boast in the one we are in, our Lord. And again, the Corinthians need to hear this. Yep, they need to hear this. Because what they were getting was something opposed to this. That's why Paul brings this up. It was apropos. It was exactly what they needed to hear. If you look over in chapter 3, we read, And brethren, I could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. Now, we all love babes, don't we? Oh, babies. Babies are so cute. Oh, babies. Right? You ever seen, uh, I, once a woman has been a mother, I don't think they ever uh, lose that sense of, they hear a baby's cry and I think they all like, <gasps> you know, a baby's in need, right? There's a concern for that baby. Does the baby need to be protected? Is there, what do they need? I don't think, you know, I, I, I'm just speaking this from watching it from another level and listening to my wife. I don't know this myself, obviously. Doesn't need to be said, I hope. <laughs> but uh, there's a connotation when we talk about babies that everything's good in the world and there's it's all positive. Well, what we don't realize as English speakers is this word babe, there's different words for babe in the Greek, and this word for babe is always used in a negative sense. And it's really not talking about baby you know, toddler babe, or get it, uh, swaddled newborn babe. This is a word that has more of a little older and they're just, they aren't able to communicate. So it, it emphasizes an immaturity. It emphasizes a uh, kind of stuck in a growth pattern that they shouldn't be in. Okay. Stanton was not a quick speaker. He was actually very challenged in the verbal area as a child and to the point where uh jen was concerned and we took him to a hearing doctor can he not hear what we're saying and then is there a hearing problem and so he can't figure out what the sounds are and so he's and he's like two and a half maybe three maybe four i don't even remember now but he wasn't talking real good i mean he was like oh it was a lot of garbly good but we did the hearing test and they said, nope, the hearing's fine. He's just an active kid. And so he's not focusing on words. When he gets older, he'll catch up, right? Now you can't get him to shut up. <laughs> but coming back to this, you can get stuck in a stage, okay? Christians ought to be able to communicate. You ought to be able to communicate your faith to others. You need to understand whatever you understand up to whatever place you are in the Christian life. 
What should somebody be able to communicate the minute they get saved? What they believe to get saved, right? There was some revelation. They had an understanding of it that God revealed to them. They should at least know that, right? So they're able to communicate something. Now, once you start moving in the Christian life, there's times where you stop being able to communicate and you become like this, an inarticulate babbler. What's the number one thing that you might be hindered in regard to talking as a believer when you're carnal? Talking to God, talking to God. That's gonna be hindered because you're not living in the throne room in your position in Christ, talking to your heavenly father about your concerns. Now, these are all concerns when we bring in, into, into this concept, but he couldn't talk unto them as unto spiritual. But he did talk to them as ones who were in Christ. See that? He did talk to them as ones who were in Christ. They still had their position. They still had privilege. But they weren't utilizing it. They weren't utilizing it. So this verse, it speaks of reality and possibilities, doesn't it? It talks about inadequacies and failures, but potential. Look over, as we jump over to chapter 4, we see... Now here, um, let's look here, um, verse 8, it says, Now ye are full, now ye are rich, ye have reigned as kings without us, and I would to God ye did reign, that we also might reign with you. For I think that God hath set forth us, the apostles, last, as it were, appointed to death. For we are made a spectacle unto the world. This word spectacle is a Greek word that means a theatrical. Okay? A theatrical. Even to angels and to men. Verse 10. We are fools for Christ's sake. He's talking about himself with other and the other apostles. We are fools for Christ's sake. But you are wise. You, you are wise. You are prudent thinkers. You are reflective thinkers in Christ. Now, I believe this is a sarcastic statement because I don't think they're. If they had been reflectively thinking in Christ, they wouldn't be carnal. Verse, uh, we're in verse ten. We are weak, but you are strong. Ye are honorable, but we are despised. Paul's being sarcastic here, and he's challenging the concepts that are being alive. 
added to this present hour, we both hunger and thirst and are naked and are buffeted and have no certain dwelling place. And we labor, working with our own hands, being reviled, we bless, being persecuted, we suffer it. Famed, we entreat, we are made as the filth of the world and are the offscouring of all things under this day. I write not these things to shame you, but as my beloved children, I warn you. See, this is a warning. These are not complimentary statements he's saying. You're wise. It's not a compliment, it's a warning. For though ye have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet have not, ye have ye not, yet have ye not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. Paul says, you have many instructors. Apollos and Paul and all these different people that you're ready to follow. Look at all these teachers we got. We know a lot. We're the Corinthians. We're the mini Athens. Athens is known as the place of knowledge, but we're right behind them. That's the reputation that Corinth had. They wanted to be like Athens. So you have many teachers, but you only have one spiritual father, and that's me. I'm the one that led you to the Lord. How does Paul act? Verse 16. Wherefore I beseech you, be ye an imitator of me. I'm your spiritual father. You need to imitate me. You're getting confused by all these different teachers. I'm the one you're to be following. Copy me. Copy me. For this cause have I sent unto you Timotheus, who is my beloved child and faithful in the Lord, who shall bring you into remembrance of my ways. You've forgotten. I taught you these things, and you have forgotten. You know so much, and the person says, I've forgotten more things than I know. These people don't even know that they forgot. You're to tell them you forgot. And you're telling you, I, I'm going to teach you, I'm going to bring you into remembrance of the, what I taught you. It's a slap in the face. You've forgotten to live the way that I taught you as your spiritual father. I taught you these things, and you need to be reminded because you ain't doing it. Okay. And I'm sending somebody I can count on, Timothy. You stop listening to your 10,000 teachers and you start t listening to me and my guy, Timothy. Timothy's my guy. He's coming and I can count on him. He's going to remind you because you forgot. And I teach these things in every church because they're minor things, they're not very important. No, because they're crucially important. I teach him so people won't be like you Corinthians who have a great standing, a rich inheritance, but they're living in the gutter. I'm teaching these things so you don't have to be like that. I'm teaching these things so that you can have a practice that's in line with your standing.
You jump over to chapter seven. Now, if we had more time, this wasn't just a survey, a survey of positional truth in the book of Corinthians, you would find if you actually went through these different chapters that there these statements of in, in, in Christ truth are interspersed amongst the problems that Paul slaps him with. He says, you are doing fill in the blank. You are doing fill in the blank. You are doing fill in the blank. And interspersed with those, he's reminding them, you're in Christ. Fill in the blank is not who you are in Christ. Fill in the blank is not who you are in Christ. See that? That's what goes on throughout this whole book. So in chapter 7, we come and he begins to deal with um, a man that has a virgin daughter and whether how the, what should happen in getting her married off, right? And he goes through all these different things. Um, when he, uh, he talks about being a slave and being free, uh, talks about marriage in these, in this context. Um, or if you're a saved person married to an unsaved person, and how are you supposed to react to that? All these things are dealt with in this chapter. As we come to verse 17. We read, but as God has distributed to each man, as the Lord hath called everyone, so let him walk. And so ordain I in all the churches. Is any man called being circumcised? Let him not become uncircumcised. Is any man called in uncircumcision? Let him not be circumcised. Circumcision is nothing and uncircumcision is nothing, but the keeping of the commandments of God. Let each one abide in the same calling wherein he was called. I like this one because, you know, uh, Tim was actually, I don't know if he was specifically in this passage this Wednesday night, but he was talking about calling and whatnot. And uh, I think you uh, referred to when you were uh, going through a church was questioning him whether they should come to the church. And were you called to this, you know, to pastor? And yeah, I'd be like, well, it says here, remain in the calling wherein you were called. You're supposed to stay doing what you're doing, which is what this says. Right? How do you relate that to the people that want you to change everything you're doing once you get saved? This says, if you're a slave, stay a slave. If you're a free, then stay free. If you're circumcised, Stay circumcised. I don't know how you get uncircumcised. If you're uncircumcised, be circumcised. You don't have to change what you're doing. Because salvation isn't achieved by changing what you're doing. See? Salvation is a change of your status before God from being unsaved. To saved. You can be a saved slave or an unsaved slave, but when you get saved, you're saved. It doesn't change your identity down here. It changes your identity before God and your eternal identity, right? 
that's ultimately what this one is referring to. That you're called in Christ. You're called in Christ. And when you're called into Christ, every Christian essentially has the same identity. A few differences. We have a different spiritual gift. Right? But it's all that same identity. We're Christians in Christ. Standing on the merit of Christ. Same blessings. There's not one that's better than another. I'm not less than. I'm not more than. Anybody seen that new uh, bumper sticker? And I didn't know about this. Somebody pointed out to me. Uh, he is greater than. And I don't know if it says me or something like that. And it's just a little math equation. That's kind of a cool one. I kind of like that. He is greater than me. I like that. He is greater than me. It seems like a shouldn't have to be stated, right? Um, but in Christ, as compared to other believers, I am not more than, I am not less than. We're all equal in Christ. Look over chapter 9. Nine one, we find out that we have a work in the Lord. Paul had a work in the Lord. By a uh, logical conclusion, we have a work in the Lord. Um, verse 1, am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? Are not ye my work in the Lord? Now in this context, if you keep reading, you're going to find out that uh, the Corinthians were Paul's work, and he had authority to expect remuneration, but he did not take that authority in this circumstance. And that's a, that's part of his argument with the Corinthians, because that was a, a problem with these other people that were coming in. And he's saying, I don't take that authority with you. I didn't take that authority with you. That was a show of love in, for them. But they were his work in the Lord. They were his work in the Lord. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that because I think it's part of what we're going to look at next in chapter 12. Turn to chapter 12. In chapter 12, you have this whole concept of being the body of Christ. Now, if you look in verse Chapter 12, and you look in verse 18. It says, for first of all, when you come together in the Lord or in the church, I hear that they're, oh, that's not what I want. That's 1118. I want 1218. I'm sorry. But now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body as it hath pleased him or as he desired. Talking about the Holy Spirit, which points to his deity. And his personhood. Now, keep your finger here. Look over in Romans 12. We looked at this last week. Romans 12. And you read in verse 5. It says, so we, being many, are one body in Christ. We are one body in Christ. Where are we one body? 
in Christ. Where is their unity? In Christ. Where is the one organism? In Christ. Turn back to Corinthians. And it says, but now hath God, it, God set the members, each one of them, in the body. Which body? It's the body of Christ. We're in Christ. That's what this is talking about. So this chapter becomes extremely important in regard to the Corinthians. I, I would actually say this is a big part of the, the teaching in the book of Corinthians that he's been leading to. Okay. They're following men. Oh, I follow Apollos because, man, he's intellectual and he's blah, blah, blah. I follow Paul because he's so good. I follow this guy because he is able to explain it in this style. And Paul's like, no, they're not separate. They're all part of the same team. Stop it. You don't understand how ignorant you're being. You talk and words come out, but you're completely inarticulate. It's just like blah, 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 blah. You, have, you need to step back and see this picture from a bigger view. When he says you're carnal, how effective are spiritual gifts when you're carnal? Not very effective. It's just you using an ability that God's given you, but you're not using it in the best way. No love is being used. That's the point. If you're carnal, you don't have access to the empowerment to use your spiritual gift correctly. Okay. Verse one, now concerning spiritual things, brethren, I would not have you be ignorant. What does that imply? They're ignorant. Oh, did you just call me ignorant? I can't hear anything you say now. I'm so mad. All I can see is red. Right. You know that ye were Gentiles carried away unto these dumb idols, even as ye were led. So he comes back after calling them ignorant, and he says, you're not as dumb as you used to be. Isn't that a nice statement? You're not as dumb as you used to be. Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus a curse, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord but by the Holy Spirit. Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are differences of ministries or service, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God who works all in all. Now imagine that. You go into a tinderbox where you got these very charismatic maybe leaders that are all speaking and i believe there's more than peter paul and you know these were people they followed after but there were teachers that were focusing on those different 
styles. And they were following these men that were promoting these three men that were apostles, right? You go into this tinder box and you say, well, if I say this, this group's going to be mad at me. If I say this, this group's going to be mad at me. If I say this, this group's going to be mad at me. What is Paul to do? Let's insult them all. <laughs> but then he brings it together by focusing on similarity. We have the same Lord. We're in the same body. We all have a ministry. We need one another. Don't focus on the difference. Yes, there's difference, but the difference is so that we can be utilized in part of the same ministry, right? There are diverse, diversities of operations, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the spirit is given to each one for everybody's profit. You see that? We all have the spirit. It's not just these three guys. We all are given the spirit. We all have a ministry from the spirit so that we can all benefit. Verse eight, for, no, for to one is given by the spirit, the word of wisdom to another, the word of knowledge by the same spirit, to another, the faith by the same spirit, to another, the gift of healing by the same spirit, to another, workings of miracles, to another, prophecy, to another, discerning of spirits, to another languages, to another interpretation of languages. But all these worketh that one in the self-same spirit, dividing to each one individually as he determines. You don't pick it. He picked it. So whatever ministry you have, whatever your special area is that you're better at than other believers that distinguishes you, you don't have it because of you. Whereas the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is the Christ. He's the one that's important. A body is a perfect metaphor of the church, of the body of Christ. Because okay? no, you know, we don't go, when Arnold Schwarzenegger became the um, muscle man or whatever that title he got was, nobody said, Nobody named Arnold Schwarzenegger's right arm. And, and that never became famous. Arnold became famous. Right? The glory went to Arnold, not to his muscly arm. And that's the thing with the church. Every one of us is dispensable in a sense. We're going to die if Christ doesn't come back. And we will be forgotten. Praise the Lord. But our Lord will not be forgotten. You get it? If we had time, we'd read through this whole chapter. Maybe we'll come back and do this next week. But as you continue on, you can continue to see how positional truth in the book of Corinthians is crucial. Even when you get to the end, Paul talks to the Corinthians in a very heartfelt way. He knew many of them. And he um, keeps referring to their standing in the Lord. So 
that. Let's go to the word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for our standing at your right hand. Again, we're just continue to be in awe of the fact that it is by your grace. And we're thankful for that, for if there was something we could do to earn it, there would be something we could do to lose it. And so being that it is all by your determination and by your goodwill, it will be accomplished. It has been established and it will be accomplished. You will work everything out according to your plan. Thank you for these things, Father. Amen.